Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is the only web application with well over 5,000 training videos. Every video is 100% follow along. You can create teams and see that your players are doing it. We offer free onboarding as well. It's easier than sharing a random YouTube video. Check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do. Now, this is a quick podcast, hopefully. And it's just a stream of consciousness based on an actual conversation we're having in the Facebook group right now. And if you want to be part of the conversation, please go to Facebook and search for Anytime Soccer Training Parents and Players or click the link in the show notes to join the group and join the conversation. Now, I don't know why I'm interested in this particular subject. It does me no good to be interested in this particular subject, but I am. And what I'm interested in, interested in is adding nuance to the comparison of soccer in the States uh, to soccer around the world. And if you go on any social media um, outlet or you listen to anyone, any interviews about soccer in the States versus the rest of the world, the first thing you're going to hear, or one of the first things you're going to hear is soccer in America is very expensive. Whereas soccer in the state in the rest of the world is relatively cheap. And you're also going to hear as a follow up to that is, and is that their best players don't pay anything, which leads to, um, you know, a higher standard of international play because we're actually getting our best players to play soccer in the rest of the world where so they're getting their best players to play soccer without the cost barrier where we're not doing that in America. Say it plainly in the States, if you want to play high level soccer, you have to pay. This is the this is the narrative. And I think there's obviously a lot of truth to that narrative, obviously. But I do think there's some nuance. And, you know, instead of just typing it, I, I wanted to drop a quick show so that I can share it in a Facebook group and get your opinion. And also, um, uh, reiterate my open invitation to anyone who is familiar with soccer in the States and soccer in the rest of the world that can add some clarity and nuance um, to this conversation. So here we go. I happen to believe, broadly speaking, that soccer in America is a fun and leisurely athletic activity that upper middle-class Americans gravitate to as an alternative to the other three or the three major American sports. So let me repeat that. I happen to believe that soccer in America is a leisurely and fun athletic activity that many upper middle class American parents gravitate to as an alternative to our three major sports. What are our three major sports? American football basketball, and baseball. 
The reason they gravitate, they're gravitating away from American football is well documented because there's issues with concussions and other risks. And many American, upper middle class American parents have decided the juice is not worth the squeeze or the, the, the benefit is not worth the risk. And there's no judgment there. I have two nephews that play American football and do pretty well. And my older brother can only be described as upper middle class American. So, you know, I think I think when you get into the, I'm not a CTE expert. I think when you get into those higher levels, the risk uh, increases dramatically. But these lower levels, I don't, these kids are just mainly arm tackling. But at the end of the day, there's a risk there. And most Upper, many upper American, upper middle class American parents are just saying, you know what, it's not worth it. My child is not going to be professional anyway, so why take the risk? And then when it comes to basketball, even though most parents don't put their children into a sport with the explicit um, goal of them becoming a professional, in the back of your mind, you have to know that basketball is so dominated by your natural, physical, um, inherent um, gifts in size, right? So if you are five, if you're a husband, if the husband is, or the, the man or the father, I should say, is, you know, six one and the mother is five two, then basketball probably is not going to be a long term. Even at the high school level, the child is going to have to work extraordinarily hard to be able to compete if they're in a big school system. And so it's sort of that understanding that, boy, you know, what is the potential of them becoming a really good basketball player, even at the high school level, if they're relatively short or don't have those other physical attributes? And that's a fancy way of saying, you know, are you six, eight? If you're six, eight and can jump out of the gym, then basketball is going to be great to you. If you five, six and can barely you're five, six and can barely touch the nets, then basketball is going to be very hard for you. And in addition to that, on a basketball court, you're only going to have five players per team, 10 players on the court. So there's just going to be less playing time um, as well, right? And I don't think people consciously think about it like that, but I just think this is an overarching trend that explains why so many people are flocking. One of the reasons why so many Americans are flocking to youth soccer. And then finally, you have baseball. And just quite frankly, even though I grew up playing baseball, again, no judgment there. Baseball is just a less, it's just a slower game. You know, it requires a lot of skill before the kids can actually play um, at a high level. You're waiting on the pitcher to be able to throw balls and strikes. I grew up playing it. It was part of my culture. I loved it. But if you don't have that, then baseball is just going to be a less appealing sport for many um, people. On the contrary, soccer is a type of sport where, you know, you can play at five and you're going to have just as much fun as the person is an adult playing at 55. And you're going to run, you're going to jump, you're going to move. It's ticking all of the boxes that a parent is looking for if they want their child to be active, have fun and play a sport. It's easily, it's very easily accessible. Um, they're going to get a lot of exercise, uh, even though obviously the smaller ages, they it's less kids on the pitch, but they let the team sizes are small. So it's the equivalent of 22 kids on the pitch. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, oh, and also physically, 
you can be relatively successful at soccer just by acquiring skill, something you have control over, versus relying solely on your physical attributes, something you don't. So I think all of that, those are reasons why you're seeing more and more of a trend towards soccer. And then the final thing is sort of beyond the scope of this is just the marketing of the Premier League, the you know, cable television, we have more access to it, blah, blah, blah. So more and more people are becoming familiar with the game and seeing this as a healthy, fun alternative. But because in the States, it's dominated by upper middle-class American parents, they bring upper middle-class expectations to soccer but not necessarily the soccer development of their individual player, but the soccer services surrounding the game. What do I mean by these soccer services? Well, they tend to want a paid coach. They have an intrinsic, they place an intrinsic value on someone being paid to do this, provide this service regardless of what else is going on. And that intrinsic value, you know, normally holds well, right? Somebody who's paid to do something typically is motivated to provide a higher service and normally is more qualified to provide a higher service than just a volunteer. But I'm just saying paid coaches is a service that they they tend to want. They tend to want uh, a high level of organization within the clubs they participate in. So it's very common for you to hear upper middle class parents say, hey, I left this club not because of the soccer, but because they were unorganized. They they tend to want a high degree of communication. They want all the services um, um, that they would expect in other um, service uh, activities that kids participate in. So if they put them in karate or uh, they put them in music or um, whatever it is, uh, art classes, whatever they're in, they they expect communication from the instructor, the instructor to be paid, the instructor to start on time. They want the facilities to be up to up to par. So they don't want to look across the street and one some kids are practicing on a well manicured pitch or um, you know turf fields and they are practicing in a middle school. Um, uh, middle school pitch with bumps and all this kind of stuff. They want, they feel like, you know, I want that. I want my child to be able to practice in a good facility. I want my child to have access to indoor facilities. I want my child, my our child's uniforms to be new and pristine. And I want team snap. And just the other day, I received an email from our coaches. They already laid out the tournament we're going to go to in March in Jefferson Cup. And they got the you know, the agency to help us book our hotels. Everything is well communicated. And that's the soccer services that we want. We don't want last minute stuff happening. Now, that's not to say that other people do want that, but that is an expectation for us, okay? Uh, and you got to get that stuff right before we even get into anything that's dealing with the uh, soccer development. But because it's a leisurely activity that upper middle class parents gravitate to, they appear willing to pay for soccer services that people around the world don't value as much. They definitely don't value at the level they're going to pay for. Now, this is a stream of consciousness, so I don't want to ramble too much and I may lose. I may not make every point, but this is trying. I'm trying to keep this one this one quick. But the final point on this is. because it's 
in many cases is, is deemed to be a leisurely, leisurely activity that's supposed to be fun and an alternative to the other major American sports. The number one priority for many of these parents, even though they don't necessarily articulate it like this, is fun. Instant gratification fun. When that child gets into that car and the parent asks you, did you have fun? The answer better be an unequivocal yes. And it needs to be consistently less. Yes, yes. And if they start saying anything other than yes, it was great. I loved it. It was good. I love my coach. I love my teammates. I'm enjoying every second of this experience. Then the question has to become, if that's not the case, why in the heck are we doing this? And so... What coaches tend to have to do because of this, because of the services that we talked about and because of this, um, this expectation that this experience is going to be fun, they got to come up with a lot of creative ways to try to develop players in a way that's, for the most part, gets that unequivocal yes when the kid gets into the car. Right. And so then you'll hear coaches. Right. And I'm probably going to offend some people when I say this, come up with all of these elaborate theories on how you can develop players in a way that's um, instantly this instantly gratifying. They don't really get into nuance about, well, there are things I do that the kids really enjoy, that motivates them, that gets them moving, that um, helps them, makes them try hard and it's competitive and and are we do small sided games and that kind of is a trifecta that the players are developing. Um, the kids are making decisions and they're using this. So, you know, that's fine. But if it's, but sometimes we got to do some things they just don't like, and it's just kind of like part of the deal, but these delay, delay gratification activities, like the rep gives the reps and all that kind of stuff to make the other stuff kind of work smoother. You, you don't really hear that too much. What you hear is, oh, I have a way of developing kids and they're just going to love it. And this is, at least in my experience, and I'd be happy to get people on. Um, you got to do a little bit of things you like, a little few things you don't like, and kind of put it all together. And overall experience, hopefully the overall experience will be pleasant, but every day is not going to be a great day. But if, you're, but if your expectation is, this is a leisurely fun activity, almost like a recreational environment, then, uh, you know, the expectation is every day is great. All right. So that's a bit, that's a bit of my interpretation there. Now, one asterisk there is this is broadly speaking, and this isn't a broad assumption. It doesn't apply to everybody, everyone. And another um, big caveat is, you know, we have a very huge um, immigrant population. And depending on how long um, they have been in our country, they may or may not view it the same way. I mean, if, because again, we're talking about the rest of the world. So I'm excluding that population for the purposes of this uh, show, even though some there will be some overlap there. All right. So fast forward to the rest of the world. So in the rest of the world, football, as they call it, or soccer, is divided into two broad camps grassroots and um, academy soccer, okay? That's number one. And the second thing is, and this is very important to remember, football is borderline a religion in most places around the world with a few exceptions like Australia and Japan or whatever. But most places in Europe, most places in Africa, Latin America, it's South America. It's a religion. It's something that 
everyone, especially males, does. It's it's just it's just part of the cultural DNA. It's inseparable from the DNA. Everybody plays football. Okay. Period. In isolation. And they don't appear to value the wraparound soccer services that upper middle class American parents attach to soccer. And I think it's in part because it's such a religion that they don't even think about it at first. It's just something that everyone does. And and because they and so because they don't value them in the same way, their grassroots football doesn't appear to have many of these services or provide many of the services that we as American upper middle class Americans expect. For example, they won't have paid coaches in most cases. And the parents are not demanding paid coaches and they won't have the same amount of contact hours and the parents are not demanding that. And they won't have, you know, all the well-manicured facilities and blah, 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 blah. And all the communication and all these other services that upper middle-class parents tend to expect when they put their kid into an activity. But it's important to understand that doesn't, mean that the value in terms of pure soccer development is better or worse. I think that's going to vary depending on the situation because soccer in these countries is centuries old and very organic and stuff. You probably can argue that the, the development might be better around the rest in the rest of the world than what we are producing in our club soccer environments. But that's not the conversation I want to have because that's actually very difficult to know, right? But what I am trying to say is you can be a volunteer coach in, in the rest of the world and you can be on par from a value perspective as a paid coach here in the States. And you can be a paid coach and be better than a volunteer coach around the world. That's not the conversation I'm trying to have. The conversation I'm having is it doesn't appear that, and this is broadly speaking, that parents around the world say, oh, man, my child would be developing better if we had a paid coach per se, and that's actually changing. That's actually changing as well. That's evolving. Um, now, here's the next thing though. But because everyone plays and they're not demanding all these soccer services, the vast majority of their kids play in a grassroots environment. And because everyone plays in a grassroots environment, they're able to create the different levels, just like we create the different levels of club soccer. And for all practical purposes, it's going to look like our club soccer. And, you know, because they have less contact hours per grassroots club, many of the most ambitious ones will play on more than one grassroots club or they will participate in their academies um, developmental center. Right. So they have these development centers where they get extra um, extra contact hours from the from the academy, maybe once sometimes twice a week. They call them also centers of excellence and the academy is watching them if they are the most ambitious. So they piecemeal these um, soccer hours together, but it's normally within a grassroots environment. 
but because everyone plays grassroots oh sorry so everyone plays grassroots except for those small amount that small amount of of uh players who are selected to play in an academy so here's another big difference the academy's feeder system for all practical purposes are grassroots organizations some academies have have tie-ups with grassroots organizations or tie-ups with coach who look for kids and stuff or form teams in order to uh, feed them into the grassroots clubs. But the bottom line is the pipeline to an academy is a scouting apparatus uh, within grassroots football. And then once they make it to that academy and get signed, then the parent, they're no longer making any payments. Well, they weren't paying that much in grassroots, but they're definitely not paying in academy football. But one big difference is um, those academies are relatively tiny. We're talking two, 300 kids across all age groups. But those academies are providing a similar soccer service to what our American parents demand in their club soccer environment. And again, I know some of you are laughing me out of the room. I'm not comparing the value. So I'm not saying the training at, Ar at the Arsenal Academy is on par. Uh, sorry, the training at our local ECNL club is on par with the training at the Arsenal Academy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the contact hours, the paid coach, the facilities, all of that roughly is the same. And it's a step change from what the child would have received in a grassroots environment. And so. And so, and then the final thing on that, and the parents, while the parent, many ambitious parents around the world have an expect, have a desire for their kid to play in those academies and will do things to get their child into the academies, they rarely see, they don't, they don't appear to approach it in the way that American parent, parents do. And it is what it is. So I don't really have a strong conclusion on this i just wanted to throw this out here for context and then invite anyone onto the show to elaborate so in summary i'm basically saying hey in america it's a middle class activity their uh, parents have uh, a higher expectation for soccer services beyond soccer development and because it's a middle class upper middle class leisure like leisurely activity the focus is on the kid to really have a lot of fun this puts coaches in a um, um, pickle because they need to develop players in a way that's instantly gratifying, which is very difficult to do. Um, and that's why, it's, you know, that's what rec is designed to do, right? Have fun and get a little bit better, but the main focus is on having fun. But what what America upper middle class parents are seem to want is they want the same development as you would get in an academy environment while also not really doing a lot of the delayed gratification stuff that you would need and so i find i found this to be an odd one when i started looking into youth soccer and then on the flip side when we cross the pond or we go further south everybody plays grassroots and the objective of the players is pretty simple either i'm just playing to have fun with my friends and my local team or I'm planning to have fun with my friends and my local team, but I'm really trying to um, get a pro contract. So I'm really doing all this extra stuff in order to get signed by my academy. And then when you get signed by the academy, not only is it not going to be 100% fun all the time and this instant gratification thing, 
The understanding is if you don't perform, you're going to be cut, right? Because those academies are going to take between two to 300 people. And one big misunderstanding is it appears that American parents who complain about the cost of soccer appear to be saying, hey, why is Arsenal free, but my club ECNL team pay is, you know, $3,000 a year plus travel? Well, it's because your child, my child, our children are not going to be receiving that service if they were in the rest of the world. They'd be playing grassroots. They'll have a great experience. They may even develop. They will develop, but they're not receiving the service that they would get at Arsenal. So in order for someone to come out and provide the service, contact hours, pay coaches, facilities, all the stuff I mentioned that they would get at the Arsenal, someone has to pay. But a club, and there are a lot of reasons for that, is they're not going to be able to invest that type of money into children who they perceive as being average at best. It just doesn't work that way. And even in those rare occasions when they can, like the Arsenals, they're only looking at like 20 kids, U9s, 20 U10s, 20 U11s. And then of those, they're cutting 10 to 20% of them every year and bringing in a fresh crop. So it's, you know, it's a very difficult situation. So I'm rambled on at the end. I wanted to summarize it, but I would definitely love to get some clarity on this because I'm talking very generally, but I would love like specific people to come on and share specific stories. I was in Cary, North Carolina, and this is how it worked. Then I moved to uh, London, England, and this is exactly how it worked. I would love that. I think our guests, uh, I think our listeners would enjoy it and I would definitely learn from it. So this is Neil Crawford with the Inside Scoop. Hey guys, let's get better together.